everyone, and welcome to the Babylon Chronicles, a podcast dedicated to taking a look at the inner workings, discussions, and shenanigans involved with making one of the world's most powerful, beautiful, simple, and open web rendering engines, Babylon JS. My name is Jason Carter, also known as Pirate JC, and I am joined by always uh, by my co-host David Katui. Hey, David. Hey, how are you? How are you, people? Good. Also known as Delta Kosh. Yes, and. Delta Kosh. And we have a special guest today. One day we uh, should explain why Delta Kosh. That, that, yeah. That's probably, yes. I think it's a story <laughs> for another another episode. I and like even that. for Pirate JC, there is also a story about mm. it. So we there is there the, many yeah. stories. Although my background might tell you a little bit about the story. So, you know, yes. But yes, absolutely. And we have a special guest today. Gary, how are you? Very good. Very good. Thanks nice for being here. here. Uh, anybody who doesn't know Gary, uh, you are what on the forum? And in the world, which you're uh, I'm BGH Gary on the forum and pretty much everywhere. So, yeah, yes. yeah. it's consistent. Um, Gary, uh, I'm going to embarrass you just a little bit right here on the podcast to say most people who don't know Gary have somehow benefited from Gary. I'm just going to put that out there in the world. If you are in the 3D space, if you're interested in game yes, engines, if you cool. have used a 3D mm-hmm. object in the last five years, you have benefited from the work of this man because... The GLTF spec, now GLTF, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here, is uh, considered the JPEG of 3D objects. It's the open standard. It's a, what is it? It's an ISO standard. Is that what it's called? It is now. It is now an ISO standard. So it is just considered an absolute standard 3D file format, particularly for displaying 3D objects, primarily in transmission ways. So like on the web. What most people don't know is that when initial discussions started to erupt in the 3D world around how do we make a standardized format that can travel very easily, we strip out a lot of the complexities and it's just about kind of the 3D object. What most people don't know is that the person who led that conversation is none other than BGH Gary. Yes. <laughs> and it was you a long way from the beginning. I helped. You are, yes, I helped. you're going to be modest and I'm going to embarrass you the other way. Gary was absolutely foundational in getting GLTF proposed, uh, starting the initial conversations around what that could look like. And uh, many, many ways, Gary, because of the work that you've done, the 3D industry is a more consistent place. And maybe I'll start there before we dig into some of our main topics by saying to this day, Babylon JS still is heavily involved in the development of GLTF as it's extended, right, with different extensions and supporting that. Do you, and that's a little bit of part of what you do for the Babylon team. You want to talk a little bit about that real quick? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, since the very beginning, you know, when we joined, sort of Microsoft kind of you know, talked and uh, worked with the kernel group to try and get GLTF to, you know, remove the shader specific things from GLTF so that we can use it everywhere, right? And since then, you know, lots of different extensions we've been adding to GLTF. And we've been sort of working with the Kronos working group to try and get these extensions uh, ratified, you know, figure out all the different problems that there are with the extensions, trying to implement them. And, you know, we try to be first in trying to get those things implemented in Babylon JS so that we can show the working group and, you know, other people as well um, how to do it, how to do it correctly. Right? And so yeah. that, that really helps with uh, uh, getting all the extensions implemented and ratified. 
So. Yeah, for sure. And it's a main core tenet of kind of what we maintain with Babylon is to say it ha already always has kind of up-to-date GLTF uh, support. So as new extensions come online throughout the year, we add support for those extensions. And what's one that we're working on right now? There's a couple I know, but why don't you name one that uh, that we're working on right now? Um, I mean, the, the one that just got ratified was uh, the anisotropy extension. And, you know, I'm not necessarily necessarily the person working on it, but like Seb on the team, you know, worked on it and uh, and got that all working. And we got that all ratified. Um, you know, so you need when you ratify an extension for GLTF, you need multiple uh, implementations. And so, you know, Babylon is one of them. Of course, 3GS also implemented it. And then uh, we need some exporters. So we get all that working. And then um, then the extensions, it's you can sort of feel good about the extensions and say, okay, more than one person has looked at it, so therefore it probably is going to be okay for the rest of the people to do, also do it. So yeah, and we, we can note that um, GLTF is a success also even for Babylon GS world because initially most of the time when people were asking questions or using file format, they were using Babylon file format, right, which was the one um, which was created with the engine, and now. Nowadays, it's probably, I don't know what, 95% of the time, it's a GLTF file or a GLB, right? Yeah, probably more than that. <laughs> it's been a while since I, I, I did not see a Babylon file, right? Which is a success because we want to, uh, uh, we wanted, and so we succeeded in having GLTF, as you said, as the JPEG for, uh, for three. Absolutely. And and Gary, just while we're in the subject of GLTF, there are two pretty exciting uh, GLTF extensions that are actively in development right now. And I know this is a bit of a tangent <laughs> from what we'll talk about, but maybe you'll hit both of those just real quick and give us a preview of what's in development. Um, I don't know which ones you're referring to. There are plenty of physics is one, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking okay. physics and interactivity are the two that I'm quite excited I see. about. Okay, so okay, so let's just be clear on that. Um, the physics extension obviously is uh, you know going to add physics to your GLTS so that you can uh, you know have uh, real realistic physics, simulated physics uh, in your scene in your model. And so, for example, if you wanted a uh, I don't know uh, a ball to bounce or uh, uh, things to sort of interact in a physical way, you can now specify that in your extension. And so this that's is, actively this working. Is, and this is cool because it's not just the the vertex and material information that gets traveled. We're actually saying that if you uh, take physics properties, you know, restitution, bounciness, uh, friction, things mass, of those nature, mass, yeah. And, and yeah, all of that, and you you define that in one engine or one space, now it can carry over into another space, right? So theoretically, if I'm in Blender uh, or Maya or whatever it may be, and I define physics properties alongside my 3D object, now that can come alongside and Babylon can just read it without me having to rebuild it, which and is that's pretty cool. physically based rendering, physically based rendering, and now yeah. physically based simulation, right? So we are trying to yeah. We're trying to mimic the real world on the web. That's what we're eventually trying to do. Here. <laughs> we'll get there. Global illumination. Uh, anyway. All we need is yes. global illumination. One day Working we'll get there it. too. Yeah, we're right. going. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so that's that's physics and and, and interactivity. Wow, and that's another one. Pretty so exciting. interactivity is, is, is like a whole another group that that is sort of working on it. I'm not specifically involved with that, but I kind of had discussions with uh, Ronan, as you saw from the previous episodes, right? Ronan's in the uh, discussions with the uh, people who are working on this. Um, and the people who are driving is from Adobe, right? And then they're they're basically trying to figure out uh, how to make it so that you can add a little bit of logic to your to your model, right? To your scene, and that so way you can 
Yeah. Yeah. For example, if you have like a coffee machine and you want it to you know, have a button that turns it on, right? In, in some commerce situations or maybe other situations as well. But like, if you want to be able to display this to your users so that they have an idea of what is going on with the with the model, not just the you know static non-moving thing, um, you can actually interact with it, and that's where this uh, extension will help. Uh, Make that and we can go super so far with that, right? You can have a lock key or whatever, yeah, or like yeah. a car where you open the, 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 the doors or the trunk. I mean, we can go super crazy with that. And so this is interesting as well because the logic, and you're talking about small examples of logic here, but the logic then transfers from being created in some type of an engine and now it travels with and it's placed inside of the object. So now you don't have to recreate the car door uh, being opened or the coffee machine being turned on. It, that is just understood by the engine and that yep. that logic carries with the 3D object, which is really kind of an incredible concept, really kind of amazing. And the fact that it's standardized is something I certainly geek out about. So. Very, very cool. Means we can Thanks expect wait. it to be consistent across different spaces. And we can also maybe just, um, I would say, give a uh, sneak peek of what we will do with interaction because there will be some tools as well to create that in Babylon right. GS. <laughs> Imagine a world where you wanted to create some of this logic. Yes, and, right. And, and then export it in door. GLTF and run hey. it into. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there might be an idea to work on something like yeah, that. Right. Slash and because we are specialized in node environments where we can do visually stuff, I mean, maybe that's something we can wow. it's like connect a the dots, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. someone <laughs> could see a future where there's a, you know, a few, uh, yeah, some kind of a vision here. Okay, I, I digress. Gary, uh, thanks very much for joining us. I know we talked a little bit about GLTF, but you have a very specific, very unique responsibility on the Babylon development team. That is overseeing a huge monolithic effort uh, that is quite literally one of the most complicated things I've ever wrapped my head around in life. And that is Babylon Native. So you are the technology lead of Babylon Native. You're the person who kind of got it off the ground originally and you lead that team. And I, I would just love to, you know, this is a, a podcast dedicated to all things Babylon. A lot of people know Babylon is a rendering engine, but a lot of people don't really necessarily yes. wrap their heads around what what does that mean? What is Babylon native? Uh, so maybe can we just go to the very, very basic of what is it that your team is trying to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, if you want to give it sort of in one statement, right? Babylon native is it's really a, a collection of technologies, right? It's not, you know, anything by itself. It's It's combining a whole bunch of different things together. And it's going to bring the power and flexibility of Babylon.js to uh, cross-platform applications beyond just the browser. Okay. That's how we'll put it, right? And the goal is basically to allow the same uh, JavaScript that you're writing for Babylon.js to work identically in a native application. So for example, on Windows, in a Windows native app, on an Android app, on an iOS app, Mac OS, like all of these things, you will be able to write the same rendering code and have that work across different uh, different So scenarios. literally write once, run everywhere. Right. Now, when you say rendering code, just to get a little specific here, are you talking about like the shaders? Like I can develop a shader one time and it will be understood no matter what the underlying uh, graphic stack is? 
Yeah, so it, it's shaders. It's also the APIs that you're using to talk to Babylon JS. So both of those things are true. So shaders, of so course, my, is writing in GLSL right now. My so, Babylon scene logic as well. My interactions correct. with how I'm how I'm using the API. The GLTF rendering, the GLTF right. interactions, every everything, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and, so you know, yeah, go ahead. So at a, so at a very high level, there's this web engine called Babylon JS, and you are trying to take it and move it outside of the web to extend it to native spaces, which is not a typical path of most game engines. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, so when we say take it out of the web, we're really taking it out of a browser, right? Because yeah, thank you. Thank you. the, yes, the yeah, browser point. is the thing that's, that's the sandbox. That's the thing that's sort of doing the things for us automatically, right? And so, you know, we're making it so that we kind of uh, bring that out of the browser so that into the application. And the thing you hit on is, this is not sort of the typical way people do things when we come to graphics, right? Um, right. Most uh, sort of libraries out there will start from native. They will be in a native environment and then they uh, target the web. But the problem- Unity, right, examples, right, right? Exactly, right? So the problem there is that, well, I mean, it, it works, right? But the problem is that if you target native first, native is, sort of more open compared to a browser. Browser is trying to already consolidate all the different platforms. So it's more restrictive in what you can do. So if you start from uh, native and go to browser, you will hit restrictions. Whereas right. if you start from the browser and then go back, go out to native, you can, expand. You can yeah. expand as opposed to the other way around. So that, that's a, that's just, yeah, that, yeah, it's easier to do if you start from browser, the restrictions in browser and then expand out. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting insight. So I'm I'm making the Unity game engine and I have all of the flexibility in the world to develop on the Windows platform or the Mac platform or Xbox, whatever it may be. And then suddenly I come to the web and everything is is locked down. And so I suddenly have to put a bunch of resource and thought and effort into how do I make it work in this restricted environment? Where if you're used to working in this restricted environment and everything works well, then when suddenly you're given greater More space. Yeah, more space, then it's kind of like, well, all right, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> this is wonderful. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very cool. And um, maybe, David, you could tell us, or, or Gary, uh, why? What is, why, what is right? the origin yeah. story of why we chose to do this as a team? Like, what's the, what's the benefit we're trying to unlock here? Well, initially, initially, we wanted to um, uh, target native as well, right? Like initially, we wanted to have this promise of uh, run, I mean, run everywhere and write once. Uh, the, the first idea I had before we started on Babylon native was why not compiling literally the JavaScript code into native code, right? And I have two friends working on the, the Microsoft uh, developer divisions. They are responsible for the Unity debugger. And so they, they knew very much about all of that uh, voodoo magic, right? And I talked to them. They had some ideas, but realistically, compiling JavaScript to a native language is super challenging. Um, even if TypeScript has some notion of type, we don't know if a number is a float or, or an int, this kind of stuff. And so we hit a wall quite quickly, right? And so Seb came with a prototype of, okay, let's do the other way around. Let's execute JavaScript, literally, with a execution machine, a virtual machine, or a stuff that executes JavaScript into native, what the browser is doing, right? And he came with a prototype that was uh, proving the point. And after that, Gary 
took the lead and created Babylon Native out of these vague ideas. I mean, I can I can expand on it a little bit more, right? Like, there's yeah. other reasons for doing this, right? Like you look at the ecosystem and you look at even within just Microsoft, right? Um, there are different apps that all need to render 3D app, uh, 3D models, right? Using GLTF, right? So these apps sometimes will use a custom engine or they will use Babylon JS or they'll use something else, okay, right? But it's not necessarily all using the same thing. And in they're all being used in different contexts. So sometimes it's native, sometimes it's the yeah. web, and sometimes they need to do both. Okay. So how do you make that consistent, right? There's, it's not easy to make two different engines consistent. Now, GLTF, you know, because they're trying to standardize, yeah. it helps, right? But still, it's not going to be, you know, pixel accurate, right? It's not going to be exactly the same. So, and, and also, if you have to maintain multiple different engines, to support GLTF, you're going to have to implement the extensions that we we're talking about before multiple times, right? And so, if we can somehow unify that and make that all the same code, then that will make it a lot easier to update, to get new features, uh, things like that. So, yeah, and it's I a good one because people eat that, like on the forum. Like we have people saying, "Hey, I need my game to run on iOS." We have games on stream, uh, on sorry, on Steam, uh, where they they were also shipping the version of each IO where it's uh, it's web, and they move to native as well. So. It's all. It's not just Microsoft. Everyone has that need at some point, right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so really, there's something really fascinating that you're both hitting on here, which is that there is a desire, a deep desire, for if you're creating an application involving 3D objects, for there to be consistency. For no matter where a user is interacting with your application, things will the look same. and feel the same. Yes. And in the 3D space, in, in geometry with physically based rendering, uh, that is actually a pretty pretty complicated thing to do. So Babylon Native is an investment in, in a very complicated space uh, to allow people to have that consistency. Yeah. And so Gary, maybe, um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, like, um, I think you guys both touched on this, but the browser, uh, Babylon JS working in the browser, the browser is actually this kind of wonderful little ecosystem where we say, if Babylon JS works with the browser, a browser like Chrome or edge or whatever it may be, they take all of the burden of saying, yeah. great, I'm going to work with metal which is the the Mac graphics stack, or I'm going to work with DirectX, you know, which is you know, the Windows one or whatever. And so these these graphics contexts, which are different between platforms, you can't just take a JavaScript library out and then say, cool, now work with each one of these things. There's an immense amount of complication in doing that because you effectively have to recreate something that the browser kind of does for us. Is that right? So yeah, tell I me mean, a little bit about that. So, so, there's lots of points to hit here, right? Um, <laughs> if you look at a browser, the browser is multiple things. It's a JavaScript engine that will execute your JavaScript. It is uh, a bunch of APIs that are uh, written for the JavaScript to, for you to access things from JavaScript. Um, and one of these APIs is WebGL, which allows you to then access the graphics stack from your browser, right? All of these things the browser is doing for you, right? They're, right. they're part of the, the standards for a browser, right? And so you, you take a browser that's on Windows, you take a browser that is on, uh, on Mac, on iOS, on your mobile phones, they all will uh, sort of figure out what the right thing it is based on the sort of common contract that is in uh, WebGL and uh, do the right thing 
based on your device, right? So your browser is doing a lot of work to make sure that uh, things are consistent for and your I, web page. And I just want to underline that real quick. I don't think the average person thinks about how important the web browser mm -hmm. is in this. It does a lot of everything. work for you. I mean, it, it does, does everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's huge. That's huge. Keep going. I mean, I mean, that's how you get portable you know, pages. Like your web pages work on all your devices because the browser is doing all of that work for you, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the sort of the power of a browser, right? But when we're talking about Babylon Native, basically Babylon Native is kind of like a subset of a browser, right? In a sense, right? right? Because right. Babylon Native also has to run JavaScript and it has to deal with all the different types of JavaScript engines that are out there uh, for different platform and, you know, figure out what the differences are between them and then you know do it in a simpler way because it doesn't implement everything that a browser does, right? Like for and example- And that's a strength, that's a strength, right? Because people can see, hey, why not just using a browser inside my application? And if you do that, you are gonna lose what is our main goal, which is perf, right? We want yeah. to have small size and fast rendering, right? So you can that's target also why- You can focus. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You, you can focus it, you can make the size smaller, you can make sure that the only things you need are, are there. Uh, yeah, and the things that. you don't need are not there, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, not everything is you know, perfect, right? Because there are drawbacks as well. We can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But like um, the the things that you would need, the JavaScript engine, the graphics engine, the, you know, the WebGL thing, we don't implement WebGL from Babylon Native, but we implement what Babylon needs. So we yeah. sort of shim ourselves into the Babylon engine and say, hey, oh, ba Babylon engine needs this, so therefore we forward it into native. And then we use this library, uh, third-party library called uh, BGFX, um, to then talk to the different platforms. And so, so, so you, yeah, so you again, multiple uh, parts of multiple technologies, sort of. That's right. Their tool that basically takes the kind of uh, uh, graphics context and says, "Oh, hey, I'm on Mac. I need to go over and do this direction with Metal. Oh, hey, I'm on Linux. I need to go over here." And, and so uh, that that is one of the many pieces of technology that your team is bringing together to kind of make this a reality. And and, and so at the end of the day, as I'm going through and I'm building a Babylon type experience and it works on the web very easily thanks to the browser, and now I want to take it over and make a, let's say an iOS application, um, uh, what is the, 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 the process or the burden or what is your vision for that the the lift the extra lift it would take to do that is that a you know hit a button and I export to iOS is that a repository that I download like what's your vision about how easy you want to make it for people to say grab your code here and it works over here yeah this this part is a little bit uh, trickier to sort of um, understand because there's so many different ways that a native app can be created <laughs> right. right yeah so you yeah. have a native app that maybe is the existing native app, right? Your existing right. native app already uses a certain technology. Okay, okay. Uh, let's say React Native, for example, because that's a good yeah, one yeah, to yeah. talk yeah. Right? Say your app is already a React Native app. Yeah. And it uses, I don't know, specific things in React Native. Now, Babylon Native has a specific integration with React Native that will allow you to take the, the rendering code that you've written, let's say, for Babylon.js a, on a web page and just take that and bring it into your React Native app. Right, so that's one way that could happen. But let's say you're not using React Native, or let's say you have a completely new app that you don't even know what technology you want to use it. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we try to make it so that it is very, that Babylon is very generic. It doesn't really uh, tie itself to a specific uh, application scenario. Right. It just says, okay, if you have some scenario, we're going to try and make it work with that scenario. Right? Yeah. Um, it, 
we have specific integrations for React Native right now, but like another integration could happen for Flutter or for some other uh, kind of uh, application uh, framework. And so what we do is we say, what is the most basic thing you need in order to integrate with something? Okay. Yeah. What is that basic thing? So for example, for the JavaScript engine, the most basic thing you need for to integrate with an existing JavaScript engine is how do I get onto the JavaScript thread and how do I execute something on that? There. Yeah. And that's it. So the, our contract for the JavaScript engine is one function you need to provide to get on the JavaScript. And that's it. And so, yeah. you know, we, we try to make it as basic as possible so that you can integrate with, in theory, anything. Very cool. So highly, highly flexible. Yes. Love that. That's incredible. So um, the next question I have for you, I think, is, is around... Um, Obviously, you're trying to, you know, recreate some of the stuff that a browser can do. We know browser teams are 150, 300 people big, so you clearly have, you know, three or 400 people working on Babylon Native, right? <laughs> no, nope. three, oh, three or four. Oh, oh three or four. You just knock off a couple of zeros. Okay, wow. So a team of three or four people here is trying to undertake this this uh, massive, um, massive effort. Um, what are some scenarios where Babylon Native is going to be really useful for people? If I, uh, what are some some ways I would want to use it or or think it would be uh, uniquely powerful in some way? Yeah, um, I have to think about this question a little bit. the 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 best use case is probably when you need to have all of the platforms. So when I say all the platforms, I'm going to include the browser because a lot of people, when they say cross-platform, they just mean, you know, Apple, Windows, right? That kind of thing. Uh, but native, if you include, just, just native. Yeah, just yeah. native. If you want yeah. to include a browser in your list of platforms, you're going to have problems sometimes using uh, things that are native only, right? Yeah, because yeah. They're you not going to be easy. You don't have to worry about saying the names of other engines here. <laughs> <with that. laughs> right, right. But uh, I'm just saying that it, it'll be harder for you to target the web in a lot of cases. So right. the scenarios that make the most sense is if, I don't know, you need to display something both in a browser and in a native app, in a yeah. mobile app, let's say. And in that case, um, you want to have to only write the code for your rendering once. So that's the situation that fits the best. If you need like, absolute super high performance everything needs to be super fast like if you're like writing a triple a game yeah maybe this is not the right thing okay right. but like yeah, right. Yeah, right. there is a price to pay of course right. exactly Everything is yeah. free yeah it's not yeah. it's not there's overhead in having making it so that it's abstracted out right so that yep. you can use the same api so really that that's the biggest sort of difference. And I and I actually like to take a moment and underline that because it's something you and I have spoken about quite a bit uh, about in the past is there's been this this um, holy grail and development that's been out there for uh, two decades of I want to write my code once and have it work everywhere. And countless people or companies have said, hey, our platform allows you to do that. As we know, in just about all of those scenarios, it's not a truly like honoring of that statement, right? There's a little bit like, well, like, so, you know, 
take a, an engine that is primarily built for native deployment, and as we said, it has to constrict itself to work in the web, the web is going to be a, a secondhand citizen for that particular uh, platform. My point being, it's not really truly write your code anywhere and it works everywhere. It, sure, it might, but maybe it's bloated, or maybe it's big, or maybe you have to make concessions in some way. And so it's not truly that a same consistent experience across everything. And the thing that is so powerful by, by Babylon Native and the vision for it and what I know you're really passionate about is this idea that there's this true, honest cross-platform. You write your code once. It will work the same in a browser as it works the same on an iOS app, as it works the same on a Mac app. That it that everything about it is consistent, right? That the, the the objects look the same, the performance is the same, that the capabilities are the same, um, and that is something that I think is a unique challenge, but a unique value add to what why and people because, would be interested. Because we started from the limited one, like that's the difference, right? Again, we started from the less capable one, and yeah. of course, when you move into the most capable space, no problem, you have room, right, on the side. Whereas all the example you, you mentioned earlier could be Unreal, Godot, uh, um, Unity, they start from the most capable one, right? Yeah. Think about just threading, right? In all these environments, <laughs> yeah. you can run threading. You can have your physics engine in one thread, you can have your audio in another one, and then the rendering in the third one. In the web, when you compile that to run on the web, you're screwed. Gosh, <laughs> right? You have one thread and everyone has to deal with that, right? And so you have to make super complicated concessions. On our side, we come with our limited poor one little thread where everything has to live. We have to optimize for that also. So meaning yeah. we are doing some optimization that most of the other engines don't because yeah. they don't need to, right? And so when we grow into a bigger space, <laughs> right? That's, uh, sorry, sorry for my French. <laughs> when we move to a bigger one, boom, we are just the same because yes, yeah. no constraints, no more constraints. Yeah. And along these lines, and uh, I'll, I'll briefly throw shade at uh, a unique problem that developers can encounter, especially web developers, is you know we 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 have glowing things to say about the what a browser is and and what it provides for users and for developers, which is this this unified framework. However, there's a unique problem where Babylon Native shines here, which is that not every browser fully supports all of the open web standards. And so there are scenarios where, hey, I want to create uh, an application, uh, maybe using web technology that allows me to say, I wanna create augmented reality features through a web experience, right? And I wanna target absolutely everywhere. Well, there's a problem, right? And I'm going to highlight, I'm giving people again, a look into uh, some of the unique challenges that we face every day. There's a problem, which is that when you come to iOS, you realize that, hey, through Babylon, I can create an AR experience because we fully support the WebXR standard. But when it comes to iOS, I cannot create nope. a web experience that allows the users to have, to use augmented reality. And, and the because reason- Because Apple loves the web. We know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep it a, a high high brow here and just say that for whatever business reasons Apple chooses, they have chosen not to current to support WebXR in Safari. Now we hope that's changing with the the um, the Vision Pro coming, but um, 
as of right now, there is a, a limit. So that true cross-platform thing, Babylon JS cannot do it by itself because there are limitations with a specific platform. So Babylon Native comes along and it says, no, you truly still can take that same augmented reality scene code and still meet your, your iOS users just in the form of an application instead of the browser, right? That's another space where Babylon can help you make up any gaps that exist in browsers. Right, and so, you know, I wanna note one thing here. Yeah. We do have an implementation of WebXR in, in Babylon Native that is cross, cross-platform or cross-release. It, yeah. it works with Babylon.js. It, we don't implement all of WebXR. It's just the WebXR that we use in Babylon.js. But yeah. my point here is that if you're in a browser, you, you're, it's not possible for you to add this. You have to wait for the browser to, to add. Photo. You Whereas in Babylon Native, because you are more flexible, you can add it yourself. If yeah. something is missing in Babylon Native, you can just add it because it's That's not restricted. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way you to put it. You own the yeah. browser somehow. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. More or less, yeah. You kind of own your own browser in this way. Yeah. Right. yeah. So in this example with, with XR capabilities on iOS, what Native would do would allow you to say, hey, we have support for ARKit in this case, which is the, the Apple's right. native API for using augmented reality features. And on in this, this example, yeah. If you have your uh, Babylon JS code, it will run on your PC, for instance, or on your Android, but on iOS, you won't have. But in inside a iOS app using Babylon native, you will be able, right? That's yeah. It's yeah. bigger in this case. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right. So yeah, yeah actually, one more point is that you know it, it, there are some things that are experimental, right? Yeah. You know, there are experimental things that are happening, right? That you can't very you can't test in the browser because it's not it hasn't even been implemented at all, right? right. So you can right. even try things like uh, you know, test out an experimental extension by implementing a you know a version of it in Babylon Native first to see, hey, how does this work across different platforms? And then maybe like, maybe then it will become in the browser, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're kind yeah, of we'll be earlier in that sense, right? Yeah, and this is an interesting one too because um, you know the world in 2020 was thrust into a really unique and different place where kind of all the rules were thrown out and people had to figure out businesses and you know, you know obviously everybody goes home and works remote. People are wanting to create. I can't tell you how many um, virtual event companies we've spoken with that <laughs> suddenly had to either build a business or move their business over to uh, uh, corporate events and and uh, advertising events and things that were virtual in nature. Some of those were um, bringing people together, but bringing people together cross-platform. Some of them were using features that certain browsers supported and certain ones didn't. So again, that was a huge kind of nod to the fact that, that through COVID, wow, people need that true reach beyond, or the flexibility, as you put it earlier, to go beyond the browser uh, with their their consistency of their scene code. And that's really kind of that that vision that I think we all have for Babylon Native, which is which is yeah, just a super super exciting, and the fact that you're doing it with just a couple of people still yes, is bonkers to me. That's our yeah. magic. Yeah, that's a little bit of just absolute magic. I mean, and, and you're here and you're sane. Maybe that's the way to put it. <laughs> I mean, there, there there are lots of things to do, obviously, uh, but like you know, we 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 try our best to to prioritize the right thing. Yeah, so that we we at least get the core scenarios working and the, our partners all you know happy. Uh, but like to get absolute parity with Babylon.js is going to take a while. 
And I was not actually planning on going this direction, but since you made me uh, think of it, if somebody were listening to this or watching this and were you know, passionate about the subject and wanted to get involved, uh, can you direct us into how they might be able to participate and support the cause? I mean, you know, Babylon Native um, as well as Babylon JS in the form and all that is all open, right? Everything's yeah. open. The code is all out there. So is if you have uh, needs, if you have requests, if you have, you know, scenarios that you want us to support, like feel free to ping us on the forum, on GitHub, anywhere, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're Sorry, uh, an ex <laughs> expert in a certain space uh, and you think, hey, I want to bring this to Babylon Native as well and extend its capabilities, then great. Reach out to us. We'd love to love to hear from you. Uh, Gary, you do a, an absolute ton, and I just want to say on behalf of the entire community, thank you. Thank you for all the incredible work that you do, for the complexities you keep in your head. You are 10x the intelligence level that I have. I can't even keep track half the time of what you all are doing, so it's uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, please, by all means, hop on the forum and, and uh, throw yes. some uh, <clears throat> some memes and gifts at Gary. He loves them, especially loves pop culture related. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Inside your right <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so with that, I'm actually going to call it. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, for checking out this episode. If you haven't uh, already done so, consider subscribing to this podcast, no matter where you're listening to it on. And David, thanks for being here. Appreciate of it. Course. Love hosting these with you. you sure? Gary, we'll bring you back on next time, but we're going to ask you to do a, a little piano recital for us. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So prepare <laughs> yourself. Well, right. I people... know that Gary is working on a game on his free time as well. So I hope <laughs> so one day we will be able to talk about that as well. That's right. I mean, it's, that, that was also public. So. <laughs> yeah. Gary is the, uh, the, the genius behind Babylon Native, an accomplished pianist, a tennis star, and he's building his own game. So there you go. That's uh, a little bit about Gary. And he's Microsoft <laughs> spokesperson for GLTF, you forgot. Uh, <laughs> That's right. absolutely right. All right, everybody. He does not sleep. So That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all in the next one. Thank bye you. Bye, everyone. Bye.